politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for everything that matters in the way it matters at the time it matters. And the time is Friday today, end of the week. So much to cover, so little time. Daniel Horowitz, your host back here today. No low IQ, no group think. We focus on what actually matters. We give you new information and where our influence will actually land. At the core of our failure, I'm just going to tell you this. The core of our failure is this. Republicans roughly control 50% of government. Okay? It it depends on the era. Sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. They control the red states, and they control the United States House of Representatives. The reason we are where we are today is because for years, long before Trump, by the way, the conservative industry focused 100% of their time on the Democrats and the media and not on their own side that they could actually influence for the good. That is, in a nutshell, the failure. That has not changed, except Trump has made it even, even better, in the sense, better for them, that they have even more ratings to focus on, even more about the Democrats, and even more of a protection racket. Conservative media has been a protection racket for the Republican Party. That's all it is. Whatever the Republican flavor is, rather than using their access to influence them, they're like, oh, that's a Republican? It's a bro. I don't want to pressure them. Let's just focus on the Democrats. And I remember we, we talked about this most potently. This was so evident during... The 2020 Democrat presidential election. So 2020, you had no primary because Trump was a sitting incumbent Republican. So you didn't have a primary. And but we had a bunch of very important primaries down ballot. But my colleagues just obsessively focused on Bernie Sanders. The Democrats are robbing him of the nomination. I almost almost looked like they were going to file a lawsuit on his behalf. They'll never focus on their own. Because they have no values, and they are a bunch of listless vessels. You know, it says in Deuteronomy 29, 28, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children, that we may follow all the words of this law. We can't uncover what we don't know, what we don't have control of. We can only do what is in our grasp. And that's what God expects of us. And, you know, obviously we're going to talk a lot about the budget bill where we are, we're going to have Congressman Andrew Clyde on from the Appropriations Committee, the only Freedom Caucus member on that committee who is calling for a defund of the Trump prosecutions. But that's why they'll never focus on their own, even when it is their own. Oh my gosh, Trump is everything. They're going to put him in jail. Okay, so then why don't you have a budget fight? Well, but then I'd have to pressure Kevin McCarthy and I don't want to do that. Well, then what's the point? Then what is the point? And We'll get back to that, but I want to start off with in a similar vein. So Trump is traveling to South Dakota today, you know, because South Dakota is an early primary state. No, no, it's not. And Christy Nome is going to endorse him. And there's going to be a lot of things thrown around today that somehow Christy Nome is the true hero on COVID, and Christy Nome is a great conservative. And there's pretty much unanimity of opinion in the conservative industry that she's awesome. So we're at a point now where Christy Nome, who embodies the chambercrats, she was like that as Boehner's bootlicker in her six years in Congress. I called it out at the time. She's a hero and DeSantis is crap. That's essentially what a listless vessel is. That's where we are in the movement, where we have so failed to focus on our own and it's all but the Democrats. So then, but the Democrats just becomes a show and it just becomes antics. So whoever does the antics and now the antics is saddling yourself up to Trump, putting out cool videos, sometimes even superficial things like a black Republican. So he's automatically great simply because he's black. So Christy Nome, she's good looking. So that somehow makes it that she's a righteous hero. There's, there's all this superficial stuff 
And she's the master of that projection. So what she always does is she fought us tooth and nail on the female sports training stuff. And then when it became popular, she owned it as her own. She fought us tooth and nail on COVID. But then when she saw it was popular, then owned the meme of being a COVID hero. She actually did this with uh, the... Uh, the Freedom Caucus there wanted to get rid of the sales tax on food, which they had in South Dakota. And she called them, and I think these are direct quotes, corrupt and dysfunctional from it. But then when it became popular, she owned it as her own. This is, she is the master of why we are where we are. She is the embodiment. I'm, I'm being very careful here. There's Chip Roy Republicans, Thomas Massey Republicans, even Marjorie Taylor Greens or whatever on the right. And then you'll have like Lisa Murkowski's that are openly a certain way. But we could deal with that because if every Republican were a Lisa Murkowski, we would have come to a resolution and fixed this long ago, either a new party or flushed them from the Republican Party and made that a good party. But Christy Nome is the, has the perfect shtick of on the issue that matters, in the way it matters, at the time it matters, screwing us, but then putting on enough of a show that ingratiates herself to the base and disarms preemptively any ability to rectify this. So this is the game. This is the name of the game. So now she is being elevated. And the reason why this matters is because a lot of people think, Daniel, there's this idolatry about Trump. And and there definitely is a certain element of it where, as Steve always says, Trump gets everyone to debase themselves in both directions. In other words, people who oppose Trump will change their longstanding views on an issue just to own him. And then people who support him will change their longstanding views just to align with him. It's in both directions. But I could wait out Trump. Okay, I think the most likely scenario is if he were to win the primary, I think the most likely scenario is Biden probably will be swapped out, in which case 99% the Democrat who will be a fresh face beats him, 95% maybe, and then he'll be done with. The problem is that it's not, don't don't get hung up that, that, oh, Trump is the problem to all of our, you know, he's the impediment to making a conservative-focused sane movement. Because that's what Christy Nome represents. My same colleagues that won't hold Trump accountable won't hold Christy Nome accountable. I mean, it's just unbelievable what she gets away with. But this is what happens when you don't police your own. And, and I got to say this. I just saw this morning. So, again, who's the biggest name in conservative media? Tucker Carlson. Tucker is obviously, I was the first one to call this, he's gone off the rails when it comes to just anything useful to the time we live in. So he recently did a show with this toothless guy claiming he had sodomy and drugs with Barack Obama. And I said at the time, I was like, okay, so wow, so you're you're trying to out Obama as a sodomist, I, I, a sodomite. I, I didn't realize that we'd oppose that. Um, I'm pleasantly surprised because the GOP and the conservative movement is full of that. And then today, Rick Greenell, who is one of Trump's top lieutenants, and alongside Christy Nome, he would likely be a contender for VP. He was his top ambassador. And Rick Greenell, as you, as those of you who are on social media, his shtick is he goes around calling every one of us homophobic. So Rick Greenell was on Megyn Kelly's show calling Ron DeSantis homophobic. So this guy brought sodomy to Mar-a-Lago, Bruce Jenner, the log cabin Republicans, and that ties into the whole top leadership in Kerry uh, Lake's team there, celebrates gay marriage being mandated on the red states, calls everyone homophobic, brings the log cabin Republicans in, 
dumps on the Bud Light um, stuff, dumps on any effort to fight trannyism beyond female sports. And this guy is one of the top voices for the number one, for your God. See, if you really believe in something, you're bothered a hundred times more about something that reflects and represents and speaks for you more than anything else than your arch enemy doing something wrong. I can't affect him, nor does he reflect me. See, like, if, if Ron DeSantis, because, you know, I've been a supporter of his, if he comes out tomorrow on an issue that I don't agree with, I'll be the first to want to tell you that because I don't want that to reflect me. You got to be very careful with that. And it's okay. No one's perfect and it's fine. Elections are about choices, but don't change who you are. So here he's sitting and gaslighting us about Obama being gay when Trump's entire top orbit is calling people who are supposedly on the same side homophobic. Dude, what the heck? Again, they'll never police their own. That is why we are where we are today. That's why we don't have a budget fight. That's why we have Kevin McCarthy. That's how we have all these rhino senators. It was because for years, it was always but the Democrats. And then that, that's how now the few heroes we have, Chip Roy is a piece of garbage, um, Ron DeSantis, piece of garbage, but Rick Greenell and Christy Nome are amazing. Because they like the Trump. Is this what we are? Because I want I want no part of it. Anyway, before we go on, our sponsor today is our friends at Barrel Buddy once again. Again, I'm warning you, A, don't go without cleaning your guns, and B, don't clean it with those garbage patches that disintegrate and spread lint dangerously on your barrel and other parts of your gun. Barrel Buddy has these cartridges that don't fall apart. They fit perfectly. you got to get the right caliber. If you're 9mm, get their 9mm pack. Um, pump it through your uh, barrel with some solvent. Gives you uniform application, full pressure. One time through, cleans it out. You could also rub it against the other metallic parts of the gun that you're supposed to clean and put a little bit of lube on with it and done. 15 bucks for 50 of these cartridges when you go to BarrelBuddy.com today. Again, don't let your guns go unclean. So, I want to go to the budget. Okay, let's let's introduce for, for our next guest. But I want to go through some of this. So again, whatever your issue is, if it's trannyism, if it's the border, if it's the crime... If it's the two-tier justice system, the persecution, it's the vaccines, it's the Ukraine funding, whatever it is. We could put out cool stories on how, but the Democrats are doing this, but the Democrats are doing that. But the reality is the Republicans, when it actually matters, really agrees with them on most of those issues in the way it matters. And in the one way we could rectify it, we allowed them to blow through. Imagine if you had the top 50 names on iTunes saying what I'm saying, that he should have aborted the August recess, coalesced support for the 12 uh, bills before the deadline, and then stand behind it, message it every day would be in a great position. But no, we can't have nice things. Because they believe in nothing but grift, and the easier way to grift rather than actually trying to govern and get the people under your influence to govern properly is to just say, oh, the Democrats. Okay. So, a couple things I want to note. One thing is you have to watch out about the Overton window shifting here. Really, this should be our leverage to shut down and defund every bad thing and cut spending you know, on the existing baseline. But Biden smartly shifted the Overton window, and he's asking for a supplemental, meaning not only all this, but also more money for Ukraine and other things. So, what I see Kevin McCarthy doing is doing is passing a CR to codify all the existing stuff, but say, oh, you know, it's it's a it's a victory. We didn't get the supplemental. Well, what do you mean you didn't get it? They don't have the votes to get it past the House. Why should you? But watch out for that. But I'm I'm watching all these comments from the GOP senators. 
and they're literally Democrats. They're cheering on Schumer and dumping on House conservatives in the Freedom Caucus. That's how much the Uniparty is. John Thune, he's the whip. He's the number two guy. He would be the front runner to replace McConnell if he checks out. He thinks it's getting complicated if McCarthy leaves Ukraine money out of the CR. At some point, we've got to deal with the Ukraine issue. But if they send us a vehicle that we could do something with when it comes over here, that's also a possibility that they'll tack on Ukraine funding to whatever they send. Even Josh Hawley. Um, even Josh Hawley who's regarded as one of the better ones. I don't think there's reason for a shutdown. I'm opposed to a shutdown, period. The way of doing business where we're in constant brinkmanship and real people suffer is just bad news. This is Josh Hawley. Rick Scott, who challenged Mitch McConnell, said he better not see a shutdown happen due to disarray in the House. Again, it's not, you better not fund open borders. You better not kill people with the vaccines. You better not lock people up for 20 years for doing nothing while letting BLM and Antifa destroy federal buildings and get no punishment for it. Their outrage is on Chip Roy and people like that. And Andrew Clyde, our next guest. John Bozeman from Arkansas. Again, all red, deep, deep red states, deep red states. The House's funding bills come in much lower than the top line agreed to as part of the debt limit deal, which has frustrated some Senate Republicans, too. That's especially true for the agricultural funding bill, said Bozeman. He said the Senate's approach is more prudent and House Republicans are going to do what they're going to do. So he sides with Biden and Schumer over, over, over conservatives. Senator Cornyn from Texas, who for many years was... The whip, the number two guy, also touted as a possible replacement for McConnell. He said that if the House sends over a bill that doesn't include assistance to Kiev, he has confidence that the Senate will tack it on and send it right back to them. Um, quote, I understand whatever McCarthy needs to do to pass a bill, but I think he also understands it's going to come back to him with Ukraine aid in it from the Senate. We're going to have to work that out. How do you even relate to these people? But, but folks, we are now, I'm not even 40 years old. And I have now lived long enough in politics to be living through some of the senators that I tried to defeat going up for their third reelection in a primary after they clearly betrayed us. And sh there should have been a movement going after them. And they could just get renominated through the front door every time. They were like, oh, terrible, the winos. Yeah, you're part of that, buddy. There's nobody around who has more clout on this than me. Nobody, literally. There's almost nobody alive who has tried, who has warned earlier on about these very, very people. Every one of them, I, although Holly is, wow, that, that, that's a new one. But Thune and Cornyn, there's a lot more quotes in there from Tillis. I tried so hard. He was K Street before he ever walked in. He was Speaker of the North Carolina House. Um, but I, I was always the only one focusing on this. And this is why we're dealt such a bad hand. But what I'm warning you is it's going to continue. It's going to continue. This is the thing. We just don't care about outcomes. And, and, and this is the thing that we're going to let Trump get away with this thing of saying Christy Nome was much better than DeSantis on COVID, but then he praises Cuomo at the same time. Because we don't believe in anything. You know, I want to make something very clear. There's something interesting about sitting in my seat. I have spent the last 15 years focusing on the issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter. I've had pr I, I've pretty much, with almost very few exceptions, except when I'm you know the few times I'm out. For 15 years, I have had a daily column. You know, on a workday, Monday through 
Friday on whatever legislative issues, political issues on the right, primaries, the things that we should care about. And then for the last, how long has it been? Seven years? We've had this show at least regularly, um, you know, as, as an audio format. So there's something interesting about that. You actually live through and fight through in a very detailed manner everything. So I'm not just a Johnny-come-lately, oh, I support DeSantis, so I kind of like retrospectively dig up some oppo on Trump. I wrote a column on October 26th, 2020, begging Trump, you got to get rid of Debbie Burks. And she was running around to all the red states pressuring the hell of it. Again, she wasn't deep state. She was the White House. And this wasn't just the first few days in March. It was October. And, and like we said yesterday, even January 2021 in his final hours was pressuring Florida to mask mandate and shut down. And I warned that, quote, she was traveling the country demanding that states follow Joe Biden's policies even as a Trump White House official why is Dr. Burke still able to tour the country as a Trump administration official and propagate panic that directly conflicts with the espoused views of her boss? And then I ended with an ominous warning. Remember, this is days before the election. I warned that if Trump wins a second term, he must speak consistently with one voice unless there is a policy shakeup. Burks will continue to promote Biden's worldview even after he is defeated. Think about how ominous that is because I was commenting on it was right after the final debate between them. And, you know, Biden was obviously saying, I'm going to shut everyone down. I'm going to mask. I'm going to do this and that. And I was like, Trump, your top person on this in the White House is going around demanding that red states follow Biden's ideas before he even gets elected. And I warned you, you can't have an administration that doesn't speak with one voice. And this is still the problem to this day with the guy. He himself doesn't speak with one voice. But then you'll have Rick Greenell doing the gay stuff, Lindsey Graham doing his stuff. And you contrast that to DeSantis, where he had a deep stater in the Department of Health, this Rebecca Jones, if you remember, who was in charge of the dashboard, the COVID dashboard, pimping Fauciism and trashing him. He chucked her in May 2020. You had Scott Rivkes, who was the original Surgeon General. He showed up at one of the governor's COVID briefings April 20th. Okay? And he started pimping masks. This was April 20th. And his staff marched, marched Scott out, grabbed him, and marched him out. He's never heard from again. It took a little bit longer to replace him. And that was because there were problems with the legislature, the Republicans there. But you've got to speak with one voice. And, and again, this is the whole problem with the whole talking point thing about what people did at a snapshot with COVID. COVID is like a nine-inning in ball game. If you have a team that, let's say, wins 10 to 1, but the team that scored one run did better during one or two plays of one inning. You can't, you got to focus on the whole game. Too many people freeze time May 2020 and then nothing happened from there until now. So let's put aside the fact that Christy Nome, first of all, she did issue executive orders doing the same thing every other state did. And then she tried to also codify it in, in the legislature and they rebuffed her twice. But she actually did do it. She did shut things down. She shut down uh, a racing, um, Competition, she shut down beef plants. There's actually a whole story. One of them committed suicide because of it. There's a lot going on there. But then what happened was by May, it was like, well, hey, there's no COVID here in South Dakota like there was in the East Coast. So it was very easy to jump on. She glummed onto it. But all it was was just, okay, I'm not going to have additional state restrictions. But then the fight was every city with more than three people in it and every hospital, business, school, medical school, college, state and private was continuing the, the distancing, the testing, and the masking forever. 
in all the and it's not just South Dakota, it's all these states. And the the, the Department of Health would work with them to promote Fauciism. And they allowed that to go on, and in Christie's Gnome's case, ran primary challengers against about four people that were trying to end the corporate mandates and the local mandates. She emphatically opposed it. And I think one or two she did defeat. I know my buddy John Hansen, who's in the House, she didn't successfully defeat, but she tried. He could he could he has a lot to say about that. They got all the receipts. But we allow this to happen. And then the South Dakota Department of Health is still pimping the vaccine, even on pregnant women and children, whereas DeSantis and, and Latipo are talking about negative efficacy, and nobody should be getting this. They stopped promoting it December 2021. Look, I wish it would have been a few months even earlier. But no other state is doing that even now. So the issue now is the vaccines. And it's your willingness to fight the localities. And the and the and the and the, and the corporations. Now Masking was also big. Finally, now, I don't think someone like Christy Nome or most Republicans are going to do it. But again, it's too little too late. And by the way, the pl- it's yesterday's issue. The place where masking is going to be the most relevant is going to be in healthcare settings because in red states and certainly blue states, but even red states, we didn't even get rid of it until fairly recently. So that's going to keep coming back. And DeSantis is the only one who banned them in hospitals. Everyone else is, I can't love the CMS funding. This, this is the difference between when you have an ideological rudder and you care and put in the effort every day to row and steer towards that outcome versus a listless vessel who freaking has no outcome. So you'll take any flashy thing. Oh, Christy Gnome's awesome. Elise Stefanik is awesome. Rick Rinell's sodomy is awesome. Bruce Jenner's balls cutting is awesome. Because I'm at the Trump. But again, it's not just Trump. It'll be... The next flavor, you see how easily someone like Vivek Pharmaswampy is able to come and just grab all of conservative talk in three seconds out of nowhere and no one ever questions, how the hell does a guy like that come out of nowhere and what has he done for us and who's putting him up? And to this day, most will still treat him like a hero even after he's been exposed as a fraud on every single issue. A real pump and dump shyster in finance. Pharma finance. So that tells me there's 50 more where he came from. So those of you who think, yeah, we could kind of wait out Trump and then go back to... No. We have a movement led by people who have acculturated them to glumming onto style over substance when the style is artfully designed to serve as a loincloth to cover up their defects and even betrayal and perfidy on the issues that matter in the way they matter at the time they matter. Never forget my motto. That is the single biggest thing you need to understand for political science. You will, you will understand all of the sleight of hands when you think about it in that way. On paper, it looks like most Republicans believe in what you and I believe in. But when you look at it in that prism, almost no, none of them do. And, and this is what's so tragic. Because again, if this were out in the open, fine. Then we'd move on, resolve it, and everyone would understand it. But as a controlled opposition, they perfectly hoodwink us to act as if they're fighting. Oh, the Democrats, look at this, the memes. All the, me- all the while... While you know what it's like, it's like it's like at a football game, okay. So you have you have two two teams. One is a team that's barely on the field and certainly subverting, tossing interceptions on purpose. So the other side's winning, you know, seven touchdowns to nothing. But you're out there on the sidelines, you know, praising your cheerleaders and trash talking the other team's cheerleaders. How we got prettier. Cheerleaders, bump, 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 bump. Like, and we got better food in the concession stands. And meanwhile, what actually matters on the field, they're just owning you. That's where we are in politics today. 
And it's all because we have a fraudulent, low IQ, listless, godless, soulless, rudderless leadership at all levels of elected and unelected fake conservative and Republican politics. Amen. So, folks, I want to give you a vivid, very specific illustration of this analogy of the cheerleaders and concession stands versus the actual playing field. So, in the concession stands, in the cheerleading, in the trash talk before the game, on paper, everyone on the right agrees. Okay, all my colleagues say the same thing. The border's open. This is insane. We got an invasion at the border. You got the government funding castration of kids. You got the Green New Deal. You got the inflation from unconscionable spending and servicing of the debt. You got the COVID stuff, the vaccines, which are crazy. You have the endless funding of Ukraine. And you certainly have the weaponization of our law enforcement at federal level being used for this anarcho-tyranny, this two-tier justice system, persecuting people um, not, limit, not limited to but including Donald Trump himself. So that's, that's a tall order. And I think we've kind of covered the main issues. You could throw in the destruction of our military and the culture in it and the mission readiness and the stuff they're doing there. You know, we, we kind of covered those are the main grievances. You know, some will have one or two here or there. Pretty much universal, uh, certainly on the right, even among establishment Republicans, they'll indulge it, although not the vaccine injury. They don't want to talk about that. But generally, it's pretty united behind that. But then you have the playing field. There's only one thing we can do that will force a national cathartic moment. Okay? There's only one piece of leverage. We don't have leverage to change public health laws or change any laws or even impeachment. We could maybe pass out of the House. You can't do it in the Senate. We don't have the votes. Half the Republicans will join the Democrats there. The default of impeachment is what? Nothing happens. Biden stays. Whereas when it comes to a budget, the default is you guys get zero funding for what you want unless you come to the table and negotiate with our bills where we'll fund government, but we will not fund odious policies that violate the social compact that harm the American consumer, that harm our security, that harm our health, and harm our you know, basic tenets of due process and equal protection. This, as I laid out in my column July 19th, is what Kevin McCarthy should have been doing for the entire August recess. If we believe in the serious of the moment, they should have been unifying the conference because a lot of disagreements unify each week behind a different area of government through these appropriation bills focus on the aforementioned issues and you come into September unified and jam the Senate. Instead, we fell asleep. Nothing happened. No one cared about the budget bill. Now, there are some parts of the appropriation bills that the House has passed um, through committee that do contain some of those riders that we talk about. But the problem is there's no confidence that they're going to stand behind them for the first time ever and say, this is our bill. We're going to articulate it. We will move from this no further. And in fact, McCarthy has already worked out with Schumer that he wants to do another continuing resolution. But don't worry, in December, then they'll fight and won't move off of it unless they, you know, the bills contain what we want. Do you really believe that? And, and that's kind of where we are right now. So one of the members of Congress that's really trying to fight in the way it matters at the time it matters is Congressman Andrew Clyde serving Georgia's ninth district. Uh, he's in a second term in the house. It's the kind of the Northeastern part of the state. He served in the U S Navy for 28 years before being in Congress, um, included three combat tours as well. He owns a small firearms business in Georgia, really living the life of a Patriot. He's also a freedom caucus member and the unique thing is he's one of four Freedom Caucus members who actually for once does sit on the Appropriations Committee. There are two appropriation bills that have yet to pass full committee yet. Commerce Justice Science and Labor HHS. So that ropes in among the biggest issues, which are the whole vaccine stuff, the COVID stuff, as well as the DOJ FBI funding weaponization. 
he has two amendments calling the bluff. We all say that we cannot go on as a banana republic with them targeting the you know leader of the opposition. So he's like, well, then we need to make it clear that we're not going to fund the DOJ without any defund rider to defund Jack Smith's prosecution. Bizarrely, none of my colleagues and Trump himself are calling for it. And I can't figure this out. But but with us to discuss this and more is Congressman Claude himself. Congressman, welcome to the first time to Blaze Media. Hopefully, not the last. <laughs> well, thank you, Daniel. It's great to be with you. Uh, love to talk. Uh, love to talk what we can actually do. I want to talk action. Action, and, and and that's that's the important thing. So so talk about where we are right now. What you feel we're able to do? Obviously, there's a lot of the you heard the grievances I, I I mentioned. There's probably a few more I didn't mention. Now I think we all understand that in any brinkmanship, we might not get every spending level, every policy, but we sure as heck better get a few of them. And obviously, when it comes to the vaccines when it comes to the COVID stuff, and when it comes into the DOJ targeting, that's literally life and liberty in its most basic sense. What are your plans with those appropriation bills, and how do you feel we could build momentum even before it reaches the floor? Well, uh, I think we're at an optimum time right now because uh, Congress is at its apex of power, which is when we actually fund the next fiscal year's government. And we have two appropriations, what you said, uh, with CJS, Commerce, Justice, Science, and Labor, HHS. I'm on both of those subcommittees, by the way. And uh, when we bring um, Commerce, Justice, Science to the full committee for a markup to send it to the House floor, that will be the time that I will introduce two amendments. Because in my opinion, it is critical that we keep our um, focus on on what our country, um, saving our country, because we're going down the path of a banana republic. Um, and that's just what I'm seeing here. So these two appropriations, uh, one, I'm sorry, these two amendments um, are going to, one, uh, eliminate the ability of the federal government to fund the Department of Justice in the federal government to fund um, the prosecution of a presidential candidate uh, before the November 5th, 2024 election. So that means Jack Smith's ability to prosecute, not investigate, but prosecute will be eliminated. The second one will do the same thing on the state level. It will eliminate the, um, the, any federal funds going to a state entity that uh, would prosecute a presidential candidate in the presidential election. So I'm a little bit confused here. What you're talking about seems to be the most unifying point of anyone on the right. Um, you know, there there is more people in conservative media than there's ever been before. It's it's a pretty robust <laughs> industry, and everyone's saying this: we're going to die. They're going to send them to jail, and and I believe that because I I've watched the January six cases juxtaposed to the lack of justice with BLM and Antifa. And I believe it. I mean, I believe you can't get fair trials. I believe DOJ and, and a lot of the judges, frankly, unfortunately, some of the Trump appointed judges as well are, are hard to reach. Um, and certainly the one that's going to oversee the D.C. case. So to me, I don't see a way out of Trump not going to jail. I mean, unless someone sees I don't see it. I, I, I don't see something that you could certainly rely upon and roll the dice on. So I would think your thing would be the bare minimum. Because what you're saying is you're not even getting into the nitty gritty with Trump. You're saying, look, we have an election coming up and you cannot have the the incumbent party prosecuting presidential candidates from the other one. Let's at least say for this election cycle, let's have our election and not have. So it's not even getting into the whole targeting and the disparate judgment and disparate justice, a two tiered system, but just straight up the election interference. That That's what I see in your amendments. Why am I the only one touting it? Or I mean, are you did 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 the president or former president call you or any of his associates? Um, no one asked me to do this, but I'll tell you that I've had a tremendous response from those who have seen um, my my effort here, and it has all been positive. Um, I, I've had some communications uh, that have said thank you very much. 
Uh, I think um, what you saw yesterday here in Georgia, where the president is attempting to move the state prosecution under Fannie Willis to the federal level, I think that is probably, uh, uh, you know, that's a great idea. I think yep. that's what should happen. Uh, then we can more easily defund it at the federal level. You know, but this defunds the prosecution, all right, of, of Jack Smith and, and, and any any attempt at the federal level. And then um, also it denies federal funds to any office at the state level that goes ahead and does this. Because the whole point here, from what I see, is the penalty, excuse me, the process becomes the penalty. No matter what the end result is, uh, if you allow a prosecution to go forward, then you're going to have trial dates at specific times uh, as you see the calendar that's been laid out. There's one on January 15th, which is the Iowa caucus itself. Right, exactly. And then Super Tuesday. All right. The week of Super Tuesday is another one. They're denying him the ability to effectively, they're denying their primary opponent, okay, their primary political opponent, the ability to effectively um, campaign by forcing him into a court system or a court scenario during the exact times of major political yep. events in the presidential primary. And, and, and that is clearly election interference. And we can't allow that in this country. The people have to be allowed to decide for themselves, not the Department of Justice interfering and trying to put their thumb on the scales of justice. Yep. But if, if that is allowed to happen, then the process, which, which, you know, that penalty cannot be reversed. You know, once it's done, it, it's done. You know, once he's denied that ability to go campaign, then it's denied. You can't, you know, you can't correct that. So so that I, I agree with that. And, and, and again, like I'm, I'm seeing from Trump's world, they're calling for impeachment of of uh, Biden. And none of us are opposed to that. But, you know, I think the different my concern is and I don't want the speaker to go and placate the base with a standalone impeachment vote that, again, it's not going to go anywhere ultimately. There's no leverage there. Um, We've never succeeded in history, and this time we'll probably get 20 votes in the Senate, Uh, and that's being generous given the, you know, your colleagues in the Senate. But defund is very simple because come midnight October 1st, funding runs out. That is the only leverage point we have. Um... Have you gotten any support from Chairman Granger or the Speaker that that you know this should be included in the bill? Well, uh, I have spoken to many in leadership, and many are supportive of this. Okay, um, it's going to uh, you know the Speaker and Chairman Granger are just two of the two hundred and twenty two Republicans that uh, we have, and. Um, uh, I think that this bill will go forward and I believe it will be passed. Now, you know, I need to remind the folks that this is even handed. This is either presidential candidate, okay, uh, or any presidential candidate. This isn't just Donald Trump. All right. Now, that means the defunding of any of the prosecution of any presidential candidate. Now, that doesn't mean it eliminates impeachment. It doesn't because no. uh, what we're dealing with is the appropriation for the executive branch for the Department of Justice. But but if that theoretically Biden, you know, more information would come out about his uh, Ukraine bribe scandal, you know, he wouldn't be able to be not not that his DOJ would, but they wouldn't be able to prosecute him either. And and I'm assuming this expires November 2024. Yes, it expires November 2024. They could, you know, go after that person after that point. But I mean, it's been longstanding policy for the Department of Justice anyway, that they cannot prosecute a, pre- a sitting president. All right. That's why the Constitution has impeachment in it. You know, it's because yeah. the Department of Justice can't go against a sitting president. That is for Congress and the Senate to do. I mean, again, I, I, I have not seen this from any of the top Trump people, including the president himself. He's call, calling for impeachment and as a remedy, and I don't see how impeachment saves his hide. I literally don't see that. Um, I love the way you crafted this, that, that it doesn't even look like you're trying to even prejudge his innocence. You're just saying, look, let's all agree just for this year, we're not going to prosecute any presidential candidate of either major party or any other party, 
And you could, you know, if there's really a serious crime, you could, he doesn't escape justice. You could do it after November. Very simple point. Um, are you concerned? Because because I'm worried that I have seen Republicans. This is the first budget that they have coinciding the budget deadline with GOP control since they were in power in 2018. And what I've seen in the past that they'll pass some good conservative standalone appropriate bills. OK, that's mm-hmm. good. It will conclude some of our riders, some of our spending levels. But ultimately, it goes in the garbage. Ultimately, they do a CR until December. And then come December, they do an omnibus that jettisons 99% of what we want. So, I mean, the, the speaker has already said, oh, we don't have enough time. We got to do a CR. Now, I would argue we saw this coming, and that's why we said they should stay in for at least some of August recess. But, okay, do you have any, do you have any hope that once you break that ice and give in to funding October 1st, Somehow there will be a fight in December. Um, I don't think that we're going to allow a fight in December, because Mm. if we do, if we're going to end up with another omnibus and we're going to get jammed. All right. Uh, What has to happen? Well, number one, uh, there will be no support from me and from, you know, the vast majority of conservatives on the Republican side that uh, for any sort of a clean CR. If we're going to have a CR, it's going to be a very short-term CR, not a CR into December, but it would be a short-term CR, maybe a month or so. Um, but it would have to be a qualified CR, not a clean CR, because a clean CR would simply uh, further the policies and spending levels of the Pelosi, uh, yep. ad, you know, from from the Pelosi speakership, and that is wrong. That's not why the country gave us the majority. They gave us the majority to to bring spending back under control, to put us on a path to a balanced budget, and to eliminate the, the damaging, tremendously damaging policies yep. of uh, Pelosi yep. and the Biden administration. So um, a clean CR is off the table, and I've already told that to leadership, and multiple conservatives have told that to leadership. And if we, you know, if, if a CR ends up being a bipartisan thing, um, you know, multiple Democrats and, and, you know, the moderates on the Republican side, then I don't see that McCarthy's speakership lasts very long. Yeah, because what I find concerning here is that if you put yourself in the Democrats' shoes, there's this floating perception out there that there's a new sheriff in town, that this is the most robust, aggressively conservative House conference ever. So this is the first budget deadline coinciding with that. So, man, man, maybe this time they really mean it. Once you go over October 1st, business as you, ah, another CR, you're done. You're done. There's no leverage there, and everyone knows it's a joke. So I'm glad that you're not going to let it get to that because we got to draw a line in the sand, especially after the debt ceiling deal where we have $1.4 trillion in new debt since then, um, which was just a complete joke. And at some point, again, you have the spending, you have seven to eight different policies. We can negotiate on which ones are the top. But I think you're right to point out that everyone is unified behind the election interference of prosecuting Trump. Again, you know, different ways of looking on it. Some would say that they want to take out Trump. Some would say maybe they actually want him to win the primary. But either way, that is election interference. And we cannot allow this to continue, uh, the selective targeting. Is there a couple other questions on funding? So let's start with justice. You, you know, you're going to do it this week. Is there any effort to deal with the persecution of not just Trump, but Trump supporters, um, whether it's the targeting of pro-life activists, the targeting the, the January 6th stuff where people who would do things that often wouldn't even result in community service or supervised release get 10 years in prison and pretrial holding. Is there any effort to expand this beyond just Trump himself? Um, well, my amendments don't deal with that. Okay. Um, but I will tell you that I think it will take a change in the executive for any real, you know, substantive, substantial, um, movement in that regard. I know that the president has said that, uh, that he would consider, um, you know, basically, uh, all those folks that got, got, convicted and, and the terrible sentences that many of them got, um, 
that he would consider some sort of a um, uh, an amnesty or a, uh, a presidential pardon. And I would certainly agree with that because we have seen a tremendous weaponization of the Department of Justice against the folks that simply protested, used their First Amendment rights. Uh, we have seen the FBI go over the top. And, and in some respects, I think our dealing with the FBI and their budget is going to uh, put a clamp on that. But many of those cases are in the judicial process right now. Um, and I would love to see, you know, a, a new Republican administration, um, you know, go that route of, uh, of pardoning and, and, you know, when people are prosecuted for their political beliefs, then we have lost the great tenant. We have lost a lot of the First Amendment in our country. And that's yep. wrong. We yep. can't have that. No, no. And, and that and that's the thing. When, when you take a guy that, you know, said to a police officer, I need to go back in, I need to get my flag. And then they use that to hit him with 1511 and say, oh, you are disrupting and distracting an officer in the middle of a, you know, that's clear. You're not going after the guy for what he did, but for what he believes. And and that's that's the problem we're seeing. I'm just not seeing enough zeal among House leadership to break into this. And I think it would be very easy to put out an amendment and say, look, you cannot embark on any new prosecutions that you're not alleging that the individual uh, committed a violent crime. Because by definition, two and a half years later, if you're roping in new people, you know, you're roping in people that that just didn't literally didn't do anything um, and certainly mm -hmm. nothing that historically we would have ever charged people with. I, I don't know if this was before your time, but you always had the Dream Act people, often illegal aliens themselves. They'd come in and defecate on the House office floors. They would disrupt every House Judiciary Committee hearing. There was a period of time we couldn't get an immigration hearing without a disruption. It was literally disrupting official proceedings. No one was ever charged on that. Um, they never got a day in prison. And, and, and if anything, we went in the opposite direction just because it was viewed as a political protest, as obnoxious as it was, that you just kind of don't want to look like you're prosecuting political opponents. Um, and now we went the other way. So I really would encourage just some movement among you and your colleagues and approps on CJS to, to deal with January 6th in some way. The other thing my, my listeners will want to hear from you about is the other outstanding one that you're going to consider next week, which is Labor HHS. So, <laughs> I mean, you got... We have thousands of academic peer-reviewed studies that show the vaccines have negative efficacy and cause a tremendous amount of harm potentially to every organ system in the body. I mean, this is – we're two and a half years, and this is not even news anymore. Yet the policies don't change. Our government's funding more, distributing, marketing, no accountability for Pfizer. Is there any effort to deal with that in the HHS funding bill? Well, I'll tell you, that just goes to show you the power of big pharma, you know, in Congress. And uh, there will be no no funding for any sort of a vaccine mandate whatsoever. Uh, I, I think that's uh, that's pretty clear. Um, I would never vote for anything that would any amendment that would uh, allow for any sort of a vaccine mandate. I think that's wrong. That should be up to people to decide yeah. what they want to do, you know, whether it's uh, for healthcare workers or for, uh, you know, a, a airline employees or you name it. OK, um, I think that's 100 percent wrong. Um, so as I recall in the bill, there is no funding for that. And I think there's a prohibition for that as well. So um, uh, I'll have to go back and, and look at the bill again. But um, uh, but we don't have that in committee yet. And uh, when that comes up in committee, that's certainly something that uh, that uh, would be considered. Sure. And I, I would just encourage you. I mean, you guys are really at the forefront of this. It's a rare opportunity where you have some conservatives on appropriations. And this is your time to put it into the base part of the bill so we don't have to fight to get it in later. So I'm really glad you're doing this with the uh, political targeting. And again, I, I would say what your your amendment is the most unifying amendment. It it you know, whether you think Trump is completely innocent and this is bogus and obviously most of us do, at least to some degree, that that's not even your point. 
just don't interfere with the election. Uh, this should be a universal uh, amendment, and I look forward to you know Trump endorsing it. I I hope he does. Um, if he doesn't, it would kind of be perplexing. Um, you know, he said that he's not worried about going to jail. Uh, it's funny. I think we're kind of more worried about him than he is uh, because I think he is. And there's well, a sense of urgency. You, yeah, I, I tell you, when you have a Democrat prosecutor, you have a Democrat judge, you know, clearly left wing judge. You know, you have um, D.C., which is a 95 percent Democrat. Uh, so you have a jury pool that's a Democrat. And if you think you're going to pull, you know, a more balanced jury pool for a, a trial jury than you do out of a grand jury. All right. You've seen what the grand jury did. Uh, you know, that's very, very concerning to me. Yep. I mean, you literally have the Department of Justice uh, becoming the Democrats uh, Party's election interference arm. And now the justice system, you know, the court system literally becoming the same thing. So the Democrats believe, obviously, the ends justify the means. That's not the way our country operates. That's not freedom. That's not liberty. That's not fair. And um, so so I'm very concerned. And that's one of the reasons I'm leading this amendment, so that it will be defunded so no prosecution can occur between now and the election. They can investigate all they want, but they cannot prosecute. They cannot when prosecute. This amendment and it's in the base bill. And look, it's September 8th. We're just three weeks away. Midnight, October 1st, the lights go out. The lights That's should right. not be turned on or kept on without certain bare bone American traditions continuing. I would argue there's a litany of them. I would argue the vaccine shouldn't be funded. I would argue the catch and release of the border shouldn't be funded. There's a lot of things there. But I have, I have a lot of my colleagues dancing around about the mugshot and the this and the memes. But the, you're the only one providing a path to stop it. You know, even if, if Trump or DeSantis or someone else wins, January 20th, 2025 is too late. That, that is too late. We don't have time. This needs to be rectified. And, and again, I would argue you're, you're focused on election interference, but it's also, and, and I know you would agree, it's the precedent. It's beyond Trump. They are now oh, openly targeting people for their political beliefs. They believe people like me who don't like the vaccine are a problem. DHS is putting out bulletins on that. This is a very big issue. I'll give you the last word. We'll sew up. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you uh, uh, having me on to be able to talk about this and tell your listeners how absolutely important it is, because for the liberty of our country, uh, we have to stop the weaponization of the Department of Justice. You know, Pre uh, President Biden himself literally declared um, that back in November of last year, he said that he was going to use the Department of Justice to defeat his political opponent. Yep. His words, we just have to demonstrate that he will not take power and if he does run, I'm making sure he, and then he adds the caveat, under legitimate efforts of the Constitution, which none of us believe he's ever <laughs> even would do that. But I'm making sure he does not become the next president again. And he's following, his Department of Justice is following through on that. It's got to be stopped. The way to do it is to defund it. Uh, and that's what we're doing. The people are sick of all talk and no action. This is action. And uh, I just yep. thank you for for. We're amplifying it for Exactly. Us. I personally believe I won't be able to do this for a living much longer if this goes on. So I'm not just trying to make mugshots, you know, use this to help one particular candidate in the primary. People will choose what they want. But if we all, you know, what Trump supporters, DeSantis supporters, even most of the others all agree this is a problem. So I think we all need to come together on this point that – it needs to be dealt with in a way that will matter where we have leverage. And from what I'm seeing, impeachment does not give us that. That's a standalone thing. That's a separate thing. Defund is the only thing that does. I thank you for this. I also thank you for standing up, by the way, in January. You might not have gotten a lot of accolades on conservative radio back then, which was kind of interesting. And I know it was very tough. But, you know, I think it did get us a better outcome. We have better guys on these committees because of your very bold right. stance, and uh, right. you know you got to be willing to have that deterrent, and you've shown you're willing to wield that again. So we'll certainly be in touch throughout the next couple of weeks. God bless you. Thank you, Daniel. Great to be with you. Take care. 
So, folks, that was Congressman Andrew Clyde, Georgia's 9th District, uh, a new voice to the blaze. We haven't had him on CR Podcast before. Let me know what you think. Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com. Um, again, that that's it. I think I think he's a he's a very mild-mannered guy, serious guy. Just look, you know, this is something we should all be able to rally behind. You know, I, I'm not going to get into too much trouble there with the Trump people. I'm just, it, it is very telling and revealing that there is, I have not seen any public support from Trump and his top people endorsing this and emphatically making this the top thing. And I can't, if you believe what they say face and take it face value, they're, they, we can't live on. It's a banana republic. They can't campaign and they're interfering and he's going to go straight to jail. All my colleagues are saying that. All the Trump people are saying that. So this is the only path and again, I think he did in a clever way because, let's face it, Trump himself is pretty unpopular. Um, I'd much rather have a shutdown fight over the vaccines, over the border, over the tranny funding, over things like that. Let's face it, over the inflation, the Green New Deal. But it is a problem. And I think the way he frames it, it's not just, oh, Trump is innocent. Hey, you could still investigate and you could prosecute after the election. But we're just saying there cannot be funding for prosecutions interfering with the election of any candidate, Democrat, Republican. I think that's good messaging. I think it's the right leverage. No one has shown a better way of doing it. It's bizarre. There's not a lot of support behind it. But let me know what you think. Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com is the email. At RM Conservative is the Twitter. My columns are always at conservativereview.com in the blaze. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We had a great productive week. We'll be back to do it all over again Monday. Have a terrific weekend. God bless y'all. And thank you for listening.